0: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, let's open first with a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for this beautiful day. Um, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in your house and, uh, and worship you and worship with um, our fellow believers and family, Lord. And God, I uh, also pray for uh, just this message that uh, the words that you wish for be spoken, will be spoken, and you will just work on our hearts, Lord, and uh, just be drawing us to you always, and uh, helping us to shine that light to draw others to you as well. And do this amen. Have you ever searched for a sense of the miraculous in everyday life? I know for me, uh, it like, has to be an intentional decision, you know, I don't just go around noticing all the little things a lot of times like I'll, i like i wish i would and i don't always stop to smell the roses you know i get caught up and i was like oh i got to do this and got to get this done and you know run over nice the so, uh, this week i found myself sitting on our bench swing uh, by our little pond watching my wife's ducks play out on the water and uh it's kind of funny because I've never been really fond of birds, like especially chickens, you know. And I don't know why, but it's like the way they look at you, their round eyes, or their sharp beaks, or, you know, I don't know their giant talons or something. I've never even been attacked by a rooster, but I don't like chickens. And I feel like maybe part of it is because, you know, Jurassic Park's fault. Like, I think they modeled the dinosaurs kind of after birds so much. Like, especially the way they look at, look at you and move their heads around and stuff. <laughs> so I kind of blame them. But I don't know. I'm good if I'm at a distance. Just, you know, don't ask me to catch one. And I am always nervous in a chicken coop. Especially my mom's chicken coop because she has, like, this fence down the middle inside there. So you've got, I don't know, you're like, a four-by-four four area with chickens all running around. And I, yeah, it's pretty, pretty tight. But for some reason... I have this weird fascination with watching my wife's ducks. And that's, like, uh, that's even more weird because the first time we let them out of their pen, they look like a bunch of little velociraptors going through the grass catching bugs, just the, uh, the way they move. So it's like even more like dinosaurs. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you know this, but ducks are omnivores, and I was speechless the first time I saw one catch a frog to eat. I mean, it was... Yeah, you talk about a dinosaur now. It, like, lunged, and for a brief second, it had the frog. And then I seen feet sticking out, and then the frog was gone. And the duck spread its wings and let out this horrifying roar. And, uh... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, I don't know. It's got to be their rounded beaks and webbed feet or something. But, I'm, I don't know. I'm not scared of these ducks, though. And so I was watching them swimming and splashing around, and started... Uh, it seemed like they were doing a lot of extra splashing, and I don't know why I took notice of that. But suddenly I, I you know, noticed all these turtles, and some of them were like sunning on the bank and uh, or logs, and others were just uh, you know coming up for air and doing just kind of what turtles do. But um, then I looked down, and my dogs were with me, and we have two dogs: we have a border collie and, uh, named Montana, and then a border collie kelpie that's named Maverick, and um, they're both working cattle dogs, and they have some things in common. You know, they're half brothers, <coughs> but they—they're uh, also they're they're really different. You know, Montana is kind of the happy-go-lucky, come and lay on your foot, roll over, pet my belly kind of dog. You know, just even like at work, he's mostly down there to have a good time. Like he's he's good help. You know, he'll work he'll help work cows and move stuff around, but he's just having fun. And then Maverick is a lot different. He's the workhorse of the two. Uh, you know, if, if we're working cattle, he's all focused and all in. If I'm working a horse in the round pen, he wants to run circles around the round pen. If uh, we're feeding our bottle calf, he's, like, working up and down the pen. So, you know, if I'm out watching the ducks, he's, like, out there trying to gather the ducks while Montana is sleeping at my feet. And, uh, I know, you know, so all these animals, are like, doing their thing around the pond here. And I began to notice that the ducks had moved behind the trees and so uh, and I and I couldn't see them anymore. And that's like, all of a sudden it hit me that everything was doing just what God created it to do. And you know, our little pond ecosystem, you know, even the trees were leafing out and turning, turning green in the sunshine and uh, it was it was peaceful. you know, It was miraculous, and I felt blessed just to sit there and soak it in. There was, it was a warm spring sunshine, and the bright blue sky, and there was like a soft south breeze, and then the green of the leaves and the life of the animals. And it was just nice. It was just awesome. But, <laughs> and then I heard the revving of an engine, and I, you know, turned to see the FedEx truck a half a mile away tearing down the road. But I wasn't I wasn't put off though, you know, because I saw even how the FedEx company was fulfilling its purpose of creation of setting land speed records down the county roads. (laughs) And no, I say that just I am very grateful for delivery drivers and delivering all that they do in a very timely manner. That was very nice. But so for this last year or so I've been kind of intrigued with this concept of balance and things in balance. And um, sitting there at this pond, you know, and the the pond ecosystem, everything like felt like there was a balance in it. You know, I just it was it was all just carrying on and doing its thing, and I just got to sit there and watch, watch it. And I was I was at peace, and it uh, it made me think of Matthew chapter six, verse twenty five. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to read. Uh, Verse, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. <clears throat> uh, I guess, and if you don't turn that way, we got on the screen here. but uh, Jesus says, "'Therefore I tell you, "'do not be anxious about your life, "'what you will eat or what you will drink, "'nor about your body, "'what you will put on. "'Is not life more than food, "'and the body more than clothing? "'Look at the birds of the air.'" Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Julia and I are constantly quoting these verses to each other. And uh, I tend to, because I tend to fill my plate too full and over my, overwhelm myself with like, this mountain of tasks that I just have to accomplish and I think I have to do. And I don't keep things in a healthy balance, you know. And instead, I run from trying to wrap up something that I probably should have done, you know, a couple months ago to the middle of another project to starting something new that I just saw. it's like I follow the I see, I do philosophy. And I don't know if that's a thing, but if it's not, you guys can quote me on it. Just Be sure to put my name in the credit line. And what I mean by this I see, I do is uh, is whatever I see at the moment is what I'm the most concerned with. So, you know, if I'm out feeding horses in the barn and I look over and see a stall that's uh, that I was needing to clean out, I'm like, oh yeah, I was going to do that. And so I start scooping manure out of the stall until I'm like almost done and, you know, I'm getting bored, so I'm looking around at something else. I'm like, oh yeah, I was going to let the calf out of the barn. And so I go and turn the calf out, and then I'm outside, and I look around, am like, oh, yeah, the yard needs mode. So I move on to that, and on and on and on, and I, uh, until I, you know, finally come inside and find my beautiful bride cooking supper with one kid ca- crying and the other one screaming sometimes, and I immediately turn around and go back outside. <laughs> That's not always true. <clears throat> no, I actually... I feel uh, I feel this like unbearable unbearable weight and uh, burden of realizing a failure in me, you know, a failure of not loving my wife as Christ loved the church, you know, as in Ephesians 5:25 tells us, and or not raising my boys in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, you know, Ephesians 6:4 tells us that. But ultimately, I feel like I have not been fulfilling Colossians 3:23. And that says, whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men. Which uh, it kind of covers most things, you know. I do like, you know, even working heartily at loving my wife and my children. I uh, I just feel like I've like I've missed out because I've been so preoccupied running from one thing to the next. And so sitting here by when I was sitting there by the little pond, finding this miraculous sense and feeling this balance, I knew no God doesn't want me to be anxious or worried about the task that I need to do. But I saw the need and felt the draw of fulfilling tasks that God has created for me to do, like being a husband and a father and loving him and loving others and working with an attitude to please him and carrying my task out to completion and not leaving in the middle of jobs even. And so all of these tasks I needed to somehow balance while not being anxious or worried about it. It was like trying to group these together in my brain. and. Uh, and, you know, I, I was thinking about it, and it's, I realized I was going to take effort on my part. And I don't know about you guys, but this is like the root of all evil for me, is effort. And I, I don't know why, you know, I, I struggle so much with like, oh, that's good enough, And you know, if you have the good enough attitude. But I get that a lot. I'll start with good intentions, but my effort doesn't carry on the whole way through. And you have to really want to. You have to really care if you're going to put forth this effort in making this balance. And you're not going to fulfill God's calling on your life without putting forth this effort. And so to me, I know how I struggle with putting in this effort. And so it sounds pretty daunting. But uh, if you want to turn to Isaiah 40, chapter 40, verse 30. Or I guess look up at the screen. Get that so he's up there. Isaiah chapter forty. I wish they had bookmarks or something awesome like that that I could put in my Bible. <clears throat> uh, verse thirty says, "Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted." And, you know, some of you might have kids like this, but, you know, when it's, like, nap time, Elisha, our youngest, he is, he's ready. He's ready for bed. You know, he'll go, 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 but he grows weary. He's, like, climbing the stairs and asking for bed and asking for his pajamas. And uh, so we all know that even, you know, the little guys that keep running grow tired. And so we definitely grow tired and weary and just feel like we can't keep going. It's easy to feel that way in our jobs and our families and our home. And uh, it's, it's relying on our own strength just doesn't seem to work. But then if we continue on in verse 31, he says, But they, sh- they who wait, on, wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. none of us can put forth enough effort on our own, you know we uh, but if we come to the Father, He will give us rest, and this doesn't mean, you know, we just get to sit around and twiddle our thumbs while watching TV and scrolling Facebook or TikTok while He just works it all out around us I know some of you don't know what TikTok is, but it's the new Facebook He has a plan for you and a job for you to be doing right now Whether it's being a better father or mother or son or daughter or brother, sister, husband, wife, grandparent, grandchild, employee, employer, student. And that's not even like getting into your gifts and talents that you do have. But there's things around you right now, if you stop and look around, that you can be doing better at and bringing more glory to God and doing. You don't need to be waiting for him to miraculously put something in front of you because he's already, it's already there Coach Scott Drew is the head coach of the Baylor Bears um, the men's basketball and they say that he has made the greatest rebuild in college basketball history and some of you, some of you may um, be basketball fans and know a little more about this than others but uh, I'm going to read a little bit of his stats right here that he um they say that he kind of that this rebuild has come up and it's reached reached like its highest point here just um last year in 2021 as coach drew led baylor to its first national championship and the first big 12 title in the entire school history so entering his 19th season just this year uh Scott Drew has tied as the Big 12's longest-tenured head coach and notched a school record 370 victories in his first 18 years, including a 27-9 postseason record since 2009. Over the past 14 seasons, Drew has led Baylor to nine NCAA tournament appearances, five Sweet 16 bursts, three trips to the Elite Eight, and then the 2021 National Championship they the program's first national ranking, first number one national ranking in 2017, a Big 12 conference record 23-game winning streak in 2019-2020 season, a five-win streak at the number one spot in 2020, and an entire season ranked in the nation's top three in 21. Baylor is one of four programs to earn number one national rankings in three of the last five seasons, joining Duke- Gonzaga in Kansas. Baylor has averaged twenty-four wins per season since the first year Drew led Baylor University to the NCAA tournament in two thousand eight, becoming one of the nation's most consistent programs with active streaks of thirteen straight seasons, with at least eighteen wins and nine straight postseason appearances. Now, some of you guys aren't basketball fans and you're like, Yeah, it's a lot of numbers and stats and stuff. And, I kind of lean on that side and understand. But no, that's a lot. And that's impressive for him to do that over the last almost 20 years. <coughs> but uh, And I've, been, I've always been inspired listening to coaches who've built programs like this, solid programs that aren't just like a one-year wonder. You know, they won. Oh, they rose up from nothing and won this championship, and then they fall off and you never hear about them again. But uh, I, uh, I, I admire these, these long-term... And I had the... I had the privilege of taking a coaching class in college from a coach like this. Uh, coach Fred McCain, he, uh, he coached in uh, Madison High School here, you know, little bitty, probably like, I don't know, 1A maybe. It's like, you know, little bitty high school. But all, all the other schools, you know, from you know, Madison up north of Emporia, where I went to school, they knew about Coach Mac and the program that he created, and everybody knew it didn't matter what group of boys he had, he was a football coach, or uh, anything, they were going to be a, a solid team. And uh, so that's, there's some awesome similarities, something with him and with Scott Drew here is he had a Christ-centered program. I thought that was interesting because you don't hear much about that, you know, on the TV. And he even said, I heard him, got to hear him speak at a men's conference, and he even said you know, a lot of the times they don't want to televise um, the, the the Christ-centered par- portion of their team, which is the heart of their team. But they, uh, he uses a JOY acronym, J-O-Y. So he's, he uses Jesus, Others, and Yourself. And he's helped helped a lot of players come to Christ. They even had a video where uh, they they were on a, it was like a five or six game losing streak in the season, and they have like, you know, he calls it, he said that, you know, we had a revival right there with our team at practice, and they, and they did, and I saw the video, you know, they baptized like four or five players right there, and he said, you know, and God didn't have to turn the season around for him, but he did, and that year they like turned around and came out, you know, I think made it to the final four even that year or something, and uh, so it's, you know, it's just amazing what this program has done. And he gives all the glory to God. And I struggle with centering, you know, work and God together. Like, it's easy to, it's easy just to separate them. But here, you know, he's got he's a university basketball coach. You know, there's a lot of pressure. And he is all in for this head coaching job. But he's also all in for Jesus. And watching his story, I realized how he does that how he's all in for both is because it's God that holds his program up. He's not balancing God. So my little, like, mobile picture, this is where that kind of comes in here. I realize, you know, God isn't one of the hanging pieces that, that balances on there. God's holding it up. You know, he's the between, uh, well, I guess he's the anchor. Yeah, that holds up the whole thing and then, you know, Scott Drew balances the rest of the thing by, you, by God's strength. And uh, and so bringing it back, I realize the most important calling that we have is pursuing God, you know, with all of our effort, you know, and not, not being lackadaisical about it, but growing and building this relationship with God because he's the one who balances the rest of the tasks that we have to balance and helps us find the sense of peace. And if we center our lives on him, we can discover what we were truly created to do. And if you honestly put forth effort and pursue God, and the Bible tells us such, we'll find him, Matthew 7, verse 8, it says, for everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, will be open. And uh, so I'm going to uh, kind of shift, shift uh, into our communion time here, and as we wrap up pursuing God with our effort and balancing others. There was a, a man who knew his task his whole life and lived for his purpose fully uh, and fully for God. And In Matthew chapter 16 verse 21 Matthew writes as Jesus predicts Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So Jesus knew his purpose and God's will for his life, and he was all in from the beginning. He knew the cross was in his future, but it was not his final destination. And sometimes we can be scared of what God may have planned for our lives, and maybe that's why we don't want to pursue him. But we too can know where our final destination is. And it's right there in the glory with Jesus. Because he went ahead of us to prepare for us a mansion. And we can know that because he fulfilled his task and took our sins on his own, that we too can fulfill our tasks that God has for us. And it starts just by moving with these tasks that are right in front of us in the positions we're in. We don't need to wait until... God hits us in the head with a stick because he probably will if, if you don't get started in looking for opportunities around you. But let's pray and then uh, come up and we'll partake of uh, communion. Father God, thank you for your sacrifice um, for the focus that Jesus had and in, in his task that you laid before him. And God, just, we are, we are grateful for the opportunity that we have uh, to move past the, the tasks that we have uh, before us. After uh, some of them are daunting, and we don't want to do them, Lord. But we know that if we trust in you and lean on your strength, uh, you, will, you will carry us through uh, to, uh, ultimately, to glory on the other side. It's in your name we pray. Amen.